0: What is up, everybody to the show today? I'm super excited uh, for you guys to listen to this conversation with my guest. Where do you even begin with this? This guy is a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. He's a first-form nationally sponsored nutrition coach, entrepreneur, is the owner of Team Claiborne Nutrition and Fitness, and, you know, because that's not enough, he's also a SAR major in the army. okay? Uh, you know, that's just a really long-form way of saying my guest today is an absolute badass. His name is Kenny Claiborne. Uh, I am humbled and honored to have him here today. I'm also very fortunate to have actually worked with this individual in my career uh, when I was in the military, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, he's just an absolute rock star. Um, you know my experience with him, and we get into a little bit on the show, but he he's a super humble guy, and he is really one of those folks that is just just really driven to make an impact through his leadership um, and through his example. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with my special guest, Kenny Clayborn. All in running. Lift off. We have a lift off. Take everything. Go at Dronlop. Nice to be in orbit. Sanquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. And here we go. I am with the amazing Kenny Claiborne. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I am fabulous. It's always good to see you know that I'm, I'm a fan. and I've gotten to be a fanboy in person, which is always nice. Um, so I know you pretty well. So for the folks listening, who are you? What do you do currently? Yeah, man. So
1: uh, Kenny Claiborne, you know, that is, that is my name. That is who I am. However, many, many people know me as you know, Sergeant Major Claiborne, um, someone who's you know, been in the Army now for 30 years. Um, that all started for me. I, I joined the Army um, back in 1990 um, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, you know, like a lot of young, young kids. Um, I didn't have, you know, a lot of direction in life. I, I like to work. I like to work hard. My parents raised me to do that. Um, but after high school, I wasn't interested in college. Uh, really wasn't something that uh, I saw myself doing. And I knew that the job I had at the time, paying like four fifty an hour or something,
0: right. <laughs> that wasn't
1: going to cut the mustard, right? And I knew I had to do something for myself, so um, I actually went to the recruiting station um, with a bunch of my buddies, and I was the only one to end up joining. Really? So I was. I was. I just went to hang out uh, to see what was going on, and uh, <laughs> one of them was medically disqualified, and one of them, you know, chicken shit it out, and right. uh, I was the la- I was the only one to raise my right hand at the end of the day.
0: It's always how that shakes out.
1: Yeah. So anyway, joined the Army in 1990 as an infantryman, went to Fort Benning, Georgia, the school for boys, as it's called by many people. Um, from there, I went to Fort Drum, my first duty assignment, again as an infantryman, reenlisted, went to Hawaii, did some time out there, uh, did a few years um, as a recruiter in between, then back to Hawaii, um, then eventually ended up um, in a trade off unit um, at Fort Leavenworth, where I did some operational um, Training for a lot of organizations. Then with the SAR majors academy, um, had a battalion in Force Com, um, a striker battalion. Um, then two brigades, and now ultimately I'm an HRC and I manage the uh, SAR major branch. Uh, and yeah, few few deployments mixed in there. Deployed to Somalia as a young young hula back in uh, 1992 with 10th Mountain Division. Then a couple of deployments to Iraq, fifth uh, I. And then ultimately deployment to Afghanistan with second ID out of uh, Fort Lewis, Washington.
0: And so it was in Fort Lewis that you and I officially met and, you know, I'll, I'll talk you up a little bit. Cause I know one of your many character traits is you're like, you're one of the most humble dudes I've ever met in my life. Um, but what I remember immediately about you, like, cause I was, I was coming from a unit that was being disbanded and I was a Sergeant first class at the time. Um, and I was stoked just because I was coming back to a, a Tomahawk Battalion, because I was regimentally affiliated, you know, since I was a little baby private. I remember the first time I met you, like, yeah, you'd seen my ERB, you'd probably seen a couple of NCOERs, but it, it didn't appear to me that any of that mattered. Like, you were like, hey, nice to meet you. And it was really like, nice to meet you, let's get to work. And I remember in the moment, like, I, it was a, a sigh of relief for me, because, you know, like that ERB gets there before you. And so there could be a list of expectations or maybe you would heard from somebody something about me in the moment none of that mattered like for you it was yep good to meet you and i go get to work
1: yeah no hey so i think you know the reason for that is you know if i go all the way back and look at my beginnings as a soldier um my first organization at 10th mountain division um, it was a pretty hard place to live and to exist And, and not that it was a bad thing i mean in the infantry, let's face it, right? Our job is to close with and destroy the enemy. And it takes hard people to do that right. um, in reality. So my leaders and supervisors that I had at the time, their, their whole job in life was to kick my ass and to make me harder than I was when I joined the army. And at the time, you know, I probably didn't understand that, you know, it was you don't you don't know why those people are doing what they're doing. They're just making your life hell,
0: right? It just sucks. And you're just try-
1: yeah. You're just trying to survive day to day, right? Like that's what you're trying to do. Like, how can I wake up today and be successful and not get my ass kicked? And not necessarily literally, but painful things like push ups right. and flutter kicks and miserable things. Um, And through that, uh, you know, it's it's funny because that is where I actually. I still look back to that organization today as the best unit I've ever been in. And the reason for that is it's just the experiences that I had. And it's just like when you're a child, like those initial moments are when you're the most, you get the most formidable training. Right. Right. And that's where I learned the most about myself. I learned the most about what leaders should be and what they shouldn't be. Right. I mean, I took away so many things. And one of the things that I found out right away is that, In an organization, if you bring value and your value added, um, those folks are going to take care of you. And I found plenty of people who, you know, I kicked my, I kicked my own ass every day to be the best soldier that I could be. But yet there were some people that, you know, they took advantage of the position they were in and they, they went out of their way to make my life pretty miserable when really, if they would have just shown me a little more value, um, I could have done a lot more for the team. So regardless, that really shaped me. And you know as a non so you will understand this you know you as a ranger qualified um individual you know what that is like right you know what wasta that brings initially to the team right i was a non ranger qualified infantryman right so everywhere that i went my erb my uniform didn't matter right so i would show up i would meet my boss i would shake hands across the desk or however we met and the first thing that that boss would do is look at my left shoulder to see if I had a tab or not. And now, granted, I'm in the Army. Ranger school, as an infantryman, is the best leadership school the Army has to offer, right? I understand that. I've got reasons I didn't go. We can talk about those, but at the end of the day, it's important. And I recognize that. However, we give a lot of credibility to a piece of cloth, right? right. And at the end of the day, you know, when I meet someone like you as a leader, Um, I'm glad that you have all those qualifications. It means a lot about you. It means that you're resilient. It means that you're qualified to be a leader. And it means that you've been through some shit, um, which enables you to probably lead others at a better, at a better uh, pace. But regardless, I just want to meet people. Right. So I don't do a tab check. I'm glad all those qualifications are there, but I just want to get to know
0: the person. I think that that speaks volumes, not just to like how you learned you like and how you set up your framework for leadership, but that de- dealing with individual, because, you know, a lot of times, and I know you've seen it, heck we, we had a couple <laughs> in our unit together. You got that tab bubba who's got all the chest lettuce on the planet. Like he's been to every qualifying school and he sucks like just a straight dirt bag. And they use all that flair to detract from the fact that they're a garbage leader and they treat their subordinates terribly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think, I think what happens there is that when those folks go to school, whatever school it is, you know,
1: we're just, we're talking about ranger school right now, but a lot of times what happens is a, a lot of soldiers will go to ranger school when they're young, right? They're in great physical condition. They're a little immature, but they they know that it's important. So they go to school and physically they can make it through the school and they may be great at, you know, all the different things we have to do in ranger school. Um, but once they get back and they graduate, They either learn to live on that one success, you know, that one thing that they did, or they stop progressing because they feel like they made it. So they just expect things to happen for them. Um, But the majority of the time, like, I don't, I don't want to talk bad about Rangers because clearly 95% of all the Rangers I've ever met are really highly qualified, squared away folks, right? It's very few people that don't deserve that instant credibility, but it does exist, right? It just, it shaped me because I didn't have a tab, so-
0: Right. But, you know, it it is it's interesting because I think a lot of people in any walk of life, we're talking about the military because that's where we were. But I think in any leadership driven organization, you'll have a lot of people who be real quick to volunteer to go to the school or go to the extra training or put their name on the document because they feel like that's going to qualify them to lead. But the reality is like that. That's nothing. I mean, those are things that might make you a better leader, but they certainly aren't going to make you a leader. For sure. And
1: like, just like you mentioned, and just in the civilian sector, I'm not there yet, but the comparison you're drawing is spot on, right? Because, you know, corporations, they spend a lot of money to develop their junior and uh, mid-grade employers, right? Or employees. So what they'll do a lot of times is they'll send them off to these schools to get these certifications and they'll come back. Now, if the organization loses them to another job or another employer, that's a big problem, but it's still a big problem. Even if they don't go anywhere, but the people they selected to go get that training and that education, if they're not able to use that to improve the organization or the other
0: employees, it's really a waste. Right. It's, it's really about how you apply what you learned. And that's something that, you know, that and the other thing, like just because you go and learn, hey, here's A to Z, how you do a thing that's not necessarily going to work with everybody. And that, I think, you know, reflecting on what we started with, like you knew that everyone is different. And every individual is going to operate differently. And even in meeting me with whatever qualifications are void of those qualifications, you go, okay, well, he's a human, he's a single dude. I'm going to see how he performs and then flex from there. And I think that asymmetrical leadership is such a lacking thing. Like I know, cause I, I did my rounds with corporate world and I can tell you that it's just non-existent there, but to be able to look asymmetrically at, cause you've gone from looking at asymmetrically as like your fire team now to a battalion now to, you know, I'm not going to throw any of you guys under the bus, but I can't imagine the headache that it must be to to try and herd the cats that are a bunch of sergeants major. (laughs) So to be able to deal with all those folks as individuals, what is it in you that makes you go like, I can't blanket statement any of this stuff?
1: Yeah, it's tough, right? I I don't know what it is, honestly, um, the reason I'm like this. I I do know that I've kind of like we talked about on our pre-chat a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I like to find the best in every person. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll talk about it in army terms because that's what I'm most familiar with, but it draws the same comparisons to the corporate world. You know, there's, there's people that you work with in your organization that for whatever reason, you know, they're disenfranchised, right? They had a bad experience, um, a supervisor or a leader didn't treat them right. Um, they don't feel like they're doing what they signed up to do in that particular job. And for whatever reason, they just don't perform. Um, I've always made a career out of finding those folks, you know, getting to know them, finding out what drives them, and then turning them loose on a task. And I think a lot of times, what it comes down to is trusting those people, right? So, I, again, I, I know you've seen this. Many, many leaders—they're um, great at what they do, right? But they don't—they're not able to empower subordinates because they don't want to see the mission fail. And for me, I have. Time and time again, embrace those people that are kind of like the downtrodden in the units, the organizations, right. you know, made sure they were appropriately trained and then accepted some risk and turn them loose to let them get after it. And I have found that when you do that, um, again, going back to that individual assessment of each person, you turn them loose to do whatever mission it is you have them doing, they will perform head and shoulders above many other people just because you gave them some love. They'll go to the end of the world for you.
0: Oh, 100%. And you know, it's, it's funny. I One of the words that you threw out there that I keyed in on because it's such, a, it's such a shibuya word in the corporate sector now. Like it gets thrown around like candy and it's that word empowerment. And I, I've sat and listened to like corporate seminars where this guy in his polo and khaki is gonna come in there and spit for four hours about empowerment and you watch it and it's like, they have no idea what that word truly means. And from, for guys like us coming from an environment we come from, it doesn't mean like I give you the tools. It means I actively train you with the expressed intent that one day I want you to replace me.
1: Correct. And I'm willing to underwrite as your supervisor. And I think this is where a lot of guys get it wrong is I'm willing to underwrite the, the chance that you might fail. Right? right? So I, I teach you, I show you, And then I say, go do it. And then if you go out there to execute and for whatever reason you can't accomplish the mission, I don't hold you accountable in a negative way. Sure. We're going to talk about it. Sure. We're going to get better. I'm going to ask you not to make make the same mistake twice, but when it comes to, if there's a higher headquarters above me and I'm in the middle, I'm going to tell them it's my fault. I'm responsible. I made that mistake, not the soldier that I empowered. Right. Because when you, if you do hold them accountable, with hire, right? You don't, you don't throw them under the bus per se. Um, That's how you, that's how you gain trust. Right. Right. And that's how you make sure that the next time we execute this mission, that soldier is still going to perform for you.
0: And that's that kind of trust. And you and I've discussed it before, but that, that really solidifies it. I mean, and the reality is, you know, it's, it's a trite saying in the military because everyone throws it around, but it's something that for sure is not a shared concept in the civilian sector is that, you know, you are accountable for their wins and their losses. You know, like we always say, like your, your soldiers are a direct reflection of your leadership.
1: 100%. If, if, if it goes great, they did an awesome job. If it goes poorly, it's my fault.
0: Exactly. But you know, we, we say it so, so nonchalantly because it's the environment we come from, but that idea of give away all the credit, take all the blame. It doesn't exist. It's not, not that it doesn't exist in some places, but not in the way that I think it should. And I think it's one of those things that you, you're one of those guys that I met in my career. And, you know, this is the, the Travis spins two seconds kissing your ass thing, but you're one of those guys that I met in my career where I was like, you know, like you're a super charming dude. You're super charismatic. You're easy to follow on face value. You know what I mean? But then like getting to know you and that you never let your rank rank wear you. Like you would come in just one of the dudes and everyone acted accordingly because we knew you're the Sergeant major. But at the end of the day, like you almost didn't want us to treat you that way in some regards, because you wanted that connection with the people that you led. You know what I mean? For sure. I think for any leader,
1: I think when you wear your title or your rank and you have to keep bringing that up in the conversation to influence others, to do the job, I think you've already lost. Right. If, if, that's, if that's your leading thought on how you're going to make things happen, you, you're already failing, right? People should want to follow you because, and again, this is my take, but people should want to follow you because they know that you're never going to ask them to do something you wouldn't do. You're never going to tell them to do something you've never done. And then if something is really, really shitty, you're going to be right there next to them. If you can do those things, people will do whatever you ask them. But sometimes you've actually got to do it, right? You can't just you can't just say that all the time, right? Right. I think, you know, again, I I just go back to my formative years as a young soldier. I didn't even know Star Majors did PT. You know what I mean? But when one of the things that we do every day in in the army and specifically in infantry organizations, is we do hard fucking PT, right? And nobody should get out of that. Right. Um, Right. So, you know, as, a, as, a, as an infantry star major, I was out there every day with my soldiers doing hard PT, not because, you know, I was trying to show the guys I could hang, but just because I wanted them to know that, like, I'm going to lay in the wet grass with you in the mornings too. You know, I'm going to do the runs with you too. I'm going to go to the field when you go to the field, because it's cold, because it's wet, because right. it sucks. Those are how you demonstrate to your subordinates that you're there with them, you're there in the suck with them. And then, you know, of course, when we go to combat, it gets some more serious, but you got to be able to lead from the front there as well.
0: And it's one of those things, you know, and I know you understand it because you've lived it so much, but it does, it creates a different psychological connection with that human being because then the environment changes from you work for me to we work together. And then now it's not your goal that you're telling me to go execute. It's our goal that we're going to go do in tandem. And that's a huge difference
1: hundred percent. I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I can think back to many times when, you know, shit, man, going down to the motor pool, climbing up in strikers, doing PMCSs with soldiers um, coming to staff duty on the weekends, you know, sending the Sergeant home, pulling the rest of his duty, going to the gate, you know, sending the Sergeant home so I could, you know, check vehicles for him. I mean, all those things mean so much to people. And like you said, that psychological connection is a big deal. Right. I mean, they, they know you care about them and their families when you do stuff like that.
0: And it's it's one of those things, too. I think a lot of people from the outside looking in would see that sort of selflessness as you wanting credit for going above and beyond. But the truth of it is, like, I know the spirit. I always did stuff like that in and I know the way I mean, hell, there wasn't a holiday that went by that I wasn't delivering like casseroles and stuff to the barracks for those dudes it's it's not so people go, oh, wow, Sergeant Crutcher, or Sergeant Major Claiborne kick so much ass. It's because you want them to take that. And when they're in our positions or your position, go do that.
1: Exactly. That's that's what I, and that's exactly what we were talking about earlier. Right. Like I learned I had leaders that did that for me when I was a young soldier. And, you know, as we go through our career, you did the same thing I did. Right. You saw some things from a leader in this organization that you loved and you said, I'm going to continue to do that. Right, And you saw some things that were like, that guy's a jackass. I am never going right. to do that. But, I, but you still learn from it. And I think that's what you're talking about right there. You, you kept those things that you felt were important and were a big deal to you. And you executed them as well.
0: The other thing I think that's important to point out too, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, is that you are going to learn from the folks that are leading you and even your peripher, like your peers. But you, you can't get so married to, like, you know, when I was a private, I would have told you to your face and his as well. Like my first squad leader is the, the nightmare, he's a terrible human being. I remember anything like him. And as I mature, you know, I become a, a Sergeant, a staff Sergeant, Sergeant first class. And look at that, you know, in hindsight, I go, well, damn, he was doing awesome. You know, I just thought he was a jerk because he made everything hard, but he made everything hard for a reason. And to be able to be open and learn from those experiences, even the ones you perceived as negative is a massive thing too.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, Man, when when I look back, when I look back and think about some of the things we did, I mean, today it would be hazing, right? right? I mean, we—if I did the same things that my squad did right now, um, I'd be kicked out of the army. Oh, I mean, we're going we're, to jail. We're going to jail. Right. But when I look back, and you know, my son's in the army, my daughter's in the army. Um, I would, if if it was up to me. I would put my son in that environment. Right. Right. Because we're, the army is a serious job, you know, again, going, going to combat and, and, and being in direct contact with the enemy is a serious thing. And, you know, all those mistakes we talked about making earlier in training. That's great. But, you know, when we get to combat. That's why we underwrote those risks in training so that we don't make them in combat. And so I want those leaders that are hard, hard as woodpecker lips, as they say, right? Right, right. Um, I want those folks in charge of my son, in charge of my daughter, because I know that they're going to take care of them. They're going to make their life a little bit harder so that when hard times actually happen, they're going to realize that it's not that bad.
0: The other thing that's interesting, you know, talking about it being hard and how some of the stuff that we endured and and saw happen or or may have done when no one was looking (laughs) would be considered hazing. The truth of it is like, if you sit and think back on your most fond memories of your career, I know when I do, it's always the parts that sucked the worst that I I like the most. And
1: long walks, right. Getting the the long smoke sessions. I mean, I still remember a day when, again, I don't want to go into story time too much here, but I can remember um, back at drum when we had, we had a soldier that had a wallet stolen and uh, this wallet came up missing out of the barracks we couldn't find it. No one wanted to own up to it. So the first sergeant put the whole company in formation. Right. We started running and there was no, there was no set distance. There was no set pace. It was just a nice, slow trot. And we ran for hours and the first sergeant let us know while we were running that we were going to run until somebody owned up to stealing that wallet. He called it a clear your conscious run. And we ran and ran. And I am almost positive that the guy that admitted to taking the wallet isn't the guy that took the wallet. A hundred percent. He just yeah. wanted the run to be over. Right. But we never had a problem with thievery again in the organization.
0: Right. Yeah. You know? And you know what's funny? Like, that's always the case, right? it's a great memory though. But it's always the case when you've got your whole formation or however many, you know, Joe's or Joe's you're in charge of. And, and that's the intent is to get the answer. And I, even when I was a drill sergeant, I remember this, like who had the candy, right? It's whatever. Right. And you'll get... 30 people. It was me drill sergeant. Like, no, it wasn't shut up. Like, you know, who it's not already, (laughs) but they're so quick to jump on that grenade for their brothers. It's amazing.
1: Well, not only do they jump on it for their brothers. Right. But what happens is, is so after that formation is when the real leadership started, right. Because the first sergeant took us back and released us. And what happened then was the peer leadership, right? Everyone got together. Right. And we started talking about, Hey, who did this? Let's figure this out. This is bullshit. We're not going to let this happen again in our unit. And so that's when the real development started. And like, I don't know if that's what the first sergeant had in mind the whole time, but it worked. Right. we, from that point on, it was self-accountability.
0: And that, you know, for a leader to be able to inculcate self-accountability at that level is pretty impressive. But it's true because then it's, we're in this together. It's one more of those like, okay, we're all we've got here. We can't steal from one another. And so, you know, 30 year career, thus far. Um, and the theme that I'm hearing is, it's, it carries into where you're headed. And it, yeah. I, I'll try and sum it up, even though it's much bigger than what I can put into words, but it sounds like you're, you're just kind of a relentless pursuit of the one, the one that needs it, you know. And yeah, I well, see that a lot in what you're doing now. Yeah, so I think
1: going back to what I talked about with the like the downtrodden soldier or the, the person that just doesn't quite fit in. Um, that really is the thing that I enjoy the most in life is, is taking that person that's kind of under the radar and finding a way to develop them and getting the most out of them. And so I've always loved fitness. I've always loved nutrition. Um, it's something I've been passionate about. And so, you know, as my army career has been winding down, you know, I've, I've really focused a lot on building up, you know, my, my personal business, my personal brand, where I'm headed next um, through my own, you know, fitness and nutrition company. And the reason why I, I'm, I decided to do this was because I knew the army was coming to an end, but I wanted a way to continue to impact other human beings' lives. I right. wanted to lead. I just knew the army was, it was over, right? So I, I retire one September, 31 years, that will be it for me. And I wanted to continue to lead other humans. And I knew that there was an opportunity for me to do that through health and you know fitness and nutrition. So the people that I help the most right now are really those same people we're talking about in the army. You know, those people that are overweight, they don't know how to work out. They really don't know how to eat. Um, they're great human beings, but a lot of times because of their weight, because of how they feel about themselves, they're kind of the... They're dejected in our society right right and so I I'm able to take those folks just like I did soldiers in the army kind of police them up put them in one place and start coaching them and um, developing not only you know better fitness routines better nutrition routines but also help them with uh, the psychological aspect of weight gain and not fitting in and so that's kind of what I'm doing now that's where I'm headed now
0: and I you know what's interesting because Like that's, that's what my wife is a fitness coach as well. And, but what I see in the photos that you put up on Instagram, almost all the time is you'll have your before and after of the clients you're working with. And before, yes, there's a body shape in the after change, of course. But what I always notice the most in these before and after photos is the look on their face. And it's not, it doesn't look like, yay, I'm thinner. It doesn't look like, yay, I can lift more. It's yay. I'm figuring out who the hell I am. Yeah,
1: for sure. And I think the, the reason why that is, is not only are they making the physical and mental transformation kind of like we talked about, but the thing that I've really prided myself on the most, and the, re- the reason why those pictures come out the way they do, the reason why those people are so confident is because what I've built to this point is so much more than fitness nutrition, right? I built a community of people that rely on each other for support. So you know, it's not just folks out there trying to get after their fitness and nutrition journey on their own. Like, it's really not a great, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's not a great business plan for me, right? Because my Facebook group that I operate in, it's private, right? So only people in the group get to see the results and get to know what's going on. So I'm I'm 100% positive that I would have this thing grown a ton, 10 times bigger than it is right now, if I was doing this out in the open. Sure. But because I respect the privacy of my members, um, it gives them the confidence to post their photos and to get over some of those psychological barriers and to learn about fitness and nutrition in a safe place, which is, I think, why um, those folks look the way they do. They're just super happy, they're super confident. They found a place where they fit in and they're killing it.
0: And so when how I I think I feel like probably the answer is close to 100%, but how much of the leadership values and you know what you formed is who you are your your leadership methodology how much of that is applicable to what you're doing now
1: majority of it I yeah. think the thing that's made me the most successful that I see a lot of other trainers struggle with is their ability to be direct and you know one thing that I learned in the army is that bad news doesn't get better with time right it's never um, it's never comfortable to have a bad discussion with your boss like, hey, boss, we messed this up. Right. But the sooner you have that conversation, the better, because then you can acknowledge the fact there's something wrong and we can move ahead, start looking for solutions. The same thing is applicable in a fitness and nutrition journey, right? When I'm working with someone, what I have found is that many times coaches are just afraid to say, hey, look, you're not, you're not doing what I told you to do. I told you that you need to do X, Y, and Z. Now I may not say it, you know, like we're talking right now, right. I'm going to find other ways to say it. Um, but at the end of the day I'm going to come to them direct and let them know what their downfalls are so we can move ahead. And I think that that's really the number one key that sets me apart. Anyone, you you know, the deal, anyone can write macros, anyone can write a fitness plan. It's not about that, right. It's about the leadership and holding people accountable. That is what's made me successful.
0: And I'll tell you, you know, like reading your posts, um, you're not what's a good way to say this so I don't come off offensive (laughs) you're you're not an asshole when you because you'll go on some rants you know and I'll read them like letter for letter you're not a jerk but you're super transparent like I because I know you in particular I can hear the words coming out of your face when I read them and it's there's no design behind it to hurt anyone's feelings but the reality is like some of the stuff we're talking about it's that serious. It's that serious that they get, you know, get your mind right, get your fitness right. Because the truth of it is like your life legitimately depends on it.
1: Right. And, you know, a lot of folks come to me, you know, and they're already pre-diabetic. They've already got heart disease. Um, The doctor's already told them they don't change certain things. You know, they don't have much longer to live. So when people come to me, they've got some serious, serious issues. So uh, beating around the bush doesn't help any of that. Right. So for sure.
0: And do, do you think like, I know it for, for everyone I know who's ever encountered you, like that works. Are you finding that to be something that people are, find refreshing or is it a um, little intimidating at first?
1: I think it's intimidating, right? I think that it takes a pretty, so m- look, most of the people that I work with at this point, because it's a private group are referrals. Right. So which is great for me because they understand they're getting the knowledge from somebody else that's already worked with me, right? And they know what they're about to get into. So I'm sure that it is intimidating for folks that are just coming on board, but once we develop the relationship, you know, I have that one-on-one call with them. I do a face-to-face with everybody. You know, we do weekly check-ins. Once once they get into that groove, I, I'm always clear to tell them that. Look, you know, it, it may not be pleasant at all times, but I want you to know that you're going to get the truth from me. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to string you along. And I think that once we develop that understanding that what I'm telling them is for their own good, we're good. And another thing, Travis, is super important going back to, we talk about trust, right? And building trust like we did before. Same thing with my clients, right? Like I'm going to build that trust with them, no matter how bad things are for them, no matter how far off plan they are, I'm never going to go into my private group and blast them for not following my guidance. Right. Right. I'm going to, those discussions are between me and the client. I'm going to celebrate all their wins out in the open. Right. Because I want them to get confidence. So again, kind of like you talked about, like we're going to give them all the credit and then the things that they're not doing so well on, we're going to keep that behind closed doors. That's just a discussion with me and the client. And I think that builds trust with them over time. They know that they can, they can make mistakes. It's going to be okay.
0: And the thing I want to point out too, and you know, anyone who finds you, from this show who doesn't already know they're going to see photos of you and like you're a freak I mean you compete you're cut like you're in amazing shape but the truth of it is like you're very candid and very open with the fluctuations that you've had over the years I mean you've had setbacks from surgeries injuries you know and and there was a point early on when you just weren't doing diet right like you'd gotten some crappy advice and like I think the fact that you can, for lack of a better term, own the screw-ups and the setbacks is just another way of you instilling trust in the folks that you're leading now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've been there, right? I definitely have been there.
1: I can relate to what they're going through. And um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long journey for me. And I've, I've had bad advice. You know, I've given bad advice. Um, I've learned a lot. And I think that's, again, another thing that you know, professionals have to be able to do is like look themselves in the face, look in the mirror and say, Hey, you messed that up. You know, what can we do to get better? Um, and that's one thing that I've always tried to do, man, is refine, 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 and try to improve as a coach. Because I think no matter what profession you're in, it could be a coach, you could be a corporate executive. It doesn't matter. But when you think your shit doesn't stink and that there's no other way to do business, except the way you do business, I think that's probably when you are no longer relevant.
0: hundred percent. You know, I, this, it's a weird thing. It's probably, man, I remember a post you put up, it's been months at this point. And I remember I, I read it and I commented and I shared it with my wife because like I was proud of you for this post um, because you and I have a shared problem set and that's we pushed through pain to our detriment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you were having, you were doing bench and your shoulder was giving you trouble and you backed off that day you didn't, you didn't stop the workout. You dropped weight and finished your sets. And I was like, I read that. I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like that's the move. And that took me a long time to figure out too. Like you remember dummy here after back surgery, like how quick can I deadlift? Like,
1: Nah. So I remember the exact post you're talking about. So I was, you know, for those, those folks who don't know, I've had two. So in the last three and a half years, I've had three pretty major surgeries, right? It's just been a bad couple of years for me. Some of it unlucky. Some of it just being stubborn, kind of like you talked about, right? Working through pain for years, two complete shoulder repairs, and then a bicep rupture. Um, so I was about six months post my last shoulder shoulder repair, and um, I had warmed up. my Shoulder was tight, and uh, I was under the bench. I think I had like one fifteen or one twenty-five on the bar, which we all acknowledge is pretty humbling, right? When you're based right. on yeah, that's not much weight. Um, but I was going through um, going through my warm up. And I had just started kind of benching and my shoulder did not want to cooperate in the past. I would have re-racked the weight, added some weight and just continued through my workout. Right. And that's probably why I've had a couple of shoulder surgeries, but that particular post you're talking about that day, I was really proud of myself actually, because I paid attention to my shoulder and I said, you know what, what advice would I give my clients? And the advice I would give them would be, Hey, take a break. It's not going to kill you to miss a day. But what will kill you is being back in the hospital for surgery again. So I just stayed where I was and it it felt great. And mentally, I felt like I overcame a hurdle that day personally.
0: And I think like, again, like I, I, I love that post. Like that one's going to be seared into the synapses for forever. But I think it, it just shows that in the military, you learned from all these things and you passed on everything you learned to your subordinate leaders and you're doing the exact same thing on this side of it, where, you know, through, either mindless repetition or blunt force trauma learned that the shoulders not listen, not cooperating. And you're passing that on to your clients too. And I'm just glad you're giving yourself the grace as well. Yeah, I mean, I have to, I have to at this point. I mean, it's not getting any easier for me at 48.
1: Right. I'm, I'm at the point, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly no Tom Brady, but I'm at the point where <laughs> mentally I'm, I'm, you know, cognitively, I'm able to help a lot of people, but physically I'm declining personally. Like I'm working hard, but I'm not the same guy that I was. So, I'm in a weird spot for myself. Like I could do more than ever mentally, right? But physically, and my body's letting me down. So I gotta be a little bit realistic.
0: But you know, it's it's just another example of being an asymmetrical thinker because you know, I've I've seen recent photos. I'd say you're close to being in some of the best shape you've ever been in your life. And it's not because you know, you're going in there doing PRs every day and doing a super like insanely calorie restricted diet you eat waffles like three times a week, man, yep. like you're enjoying your life, but you're making smart decisions and you're, you're looking at your workouts differently. How can I get the same results without, you know, killing myself? And that's a huge thing to be able to pass on to your clients.
1: For sure. And, I, and if I could give, you know, one piece of advice on that, it's because it has nothing to do with, like you said, it has nothing to do with the type of workouts I'm doing or the type of foods that I'm eating what has made the difference for me when it comes to my life and longevity is having a disciplined approach to my lifestyle, right? It's all about discipline. Discipline equals freedom. You know what I mean? So because I'm disciplined and I'm, you know, I eat in a certain caloric range, you know, I use macros of course, but because I eat in a certain caloric range every day, um, I'm very consistent with that. And because again, I don't go to the gym and kill it, but I'm at the gym every day. Right. Right. I work every day and, that enables me to live the life that I want and to keep and maintain a decent physique. And I'm pretty happy with that. Right. Now I've found what works for me.
0: And I think, you know, the, the part that I pull out of that is it's all about mindset. I mean, no matter what you're doing, like you've, you've applied this unstoppable mindset to almost everything you've done. And I, is that something that you're really, cause I know it's something that I saw you as a military leader, try and, you know, inculcate into the way that the battalion thought and that, is that something that you're doing with your clients too? And how is that being successful for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, yes. And, and I will, I will give you this example. So, you know, I have a lot of clients that come to me and they've heard about, you know, whatever fad diet, insert fad diet, you know, intermittent fasting, uh, keto, high carb, low carb, I'm not here to have those discussions. I mean, all of those, all of those will work. I'm not, that's not really the point. The point here is that I don't want people like I try to convince them not to do those things. Right. My conversation with them is going to be about lifestyle and doing something you can commit to for the rest of your life. So I always tell people like, do you like, like we'll use keto, for example, do you like carbs? Do you like to eat French fries? Do you like to eat bread? Do You like donuts? almost always the answer is yes. And I'm like, well, do you see yourself ever eating those again? If the answer is yes, then I'm going to try to persuade them to, to go after a, a nutritional approach that's going to support eating all different types of foods that they right. like, right? Because again, if you don't restrict certain things, like if, if you like donuts, you might have to be smart about how you eat them. But if you restrict them, eventually you're going to eat them. And when you do, you're probably going to bench, right? So I want you to to pick a lifestyle that you're going to be able to stick to for the rest of your life, because that's where the true sweet spot happens. And that's where I'm always trying to push people.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's definitely working again, like just the before and after photos speak for themselves. So because everyone's going, okay, Travis, quit being an ass. Where can we find more about this guy? Where can everyone find you?
1: Well, you know, you're more than welcome to follow me on Facebook, you know, Kenny Claiborne or over on Instagram, which is at team Claiborne. Um, if you're really interested, I have my private Facebook group, hashtag Team Claiborne. Come on over there, join. You can see what we're all about. Um, and yeah, anytime. Hit me up.
0: Any any final thoughts for the, the folks listening?
1: No, nah, man. I just appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today, um, kind of talk a little bit about myself and what I do. And at the end of the day, man, it's it's it was an honor serving with you. I just appreciate this opportunity. And uh, it's awesome watching you do everything you're doing as well.
0: Well, you know, I, this will be the last two seconds of me kind of kissing your ass. Like you're one (laughs) of my, you're one of my favorite humans ever. And it was a pleasure serving with you. And I'm just, I feel blessed to, to get, to keep knowing you. So thank you for coming on.
1: And no problem. And you know what I like about what you said, by the way, you said, I'm your, one of your favorite humans, which is a big deal to me because. You know, as I get ready to transition out of the army, people, they want to call me, you know, Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major. And I'm just like, Hey, look, man, I'm Kenny. I I learned enough about your character
0: when we served together that I know you're ready to like, it took me like three, three months to remember. My name was Travis. It's too much.
1: (laughs) I, I tell people all the time, man, like, honestly, when I'm out of the army and it's not because I'm not proud, I'm very proud of my service. I'll never, ever again, both my kids are in service in the army, but if I meet someone, if they, if, if for some reason it comes up in our first conversation that I was in the army and I bring it up, I failed. I don't want that to ever be my leading. I just want to be Kenny. I want to get to know you as a person. We can talk about all those things eventually, but that's not, it's not who I am. It's not what makes me Kenny. Clayborne. You know what?
0: It's kind of like our intro talk about a Ranger tab. It might qualify you, but it doesn't have to define you. Absolutely. All right, brother. I appreciate you being on.
1: All right, brother. Thank you very much.
0: All right, folks. There you have it. That was the show. Uh, like I said, Kenny Claiborne is an amazing human being, right? Like, hashtag America uh, I enjoyed every second I hope you guys enjoyed it too check him out check him out on Instagram at team Claiborne um, reach out you know like you said in the show like if you want to be part of that community he's building or or whatever it is just find him um, because I can tell you from having worked with him myself he he's the real deal right he's one of those guys he's not all talk he walks the talk every day so check him out and I hope you guys enjoy the show and I will talk to you next time